Welcome to the Corporate Minister Podcast, a safe space dedicated to the hearts and minds of African-American men. Today's work environment presents some unique challenges for Black men, and they can sometimes feel overstressed, overburdened, and at the same time undervalued and underappreciated. The Corporate Minister Podcast is about speaking a word of support, encouragement, and healing to the men in these spaces, as well as to those who love and support them. We also seek to provide a means for others to understand these men, their hopes, dreams, and challenges, in order to bridge the gaps and create a dialogue. Our guiding principles in these discussions are the Word of God and the love of Jesus Christ. Our bedrock scripture, and the one that underpins all of our work here, can be found in Matthew 11, 28 and 29, where it is written, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. With that, we welcome you to the Corporate Minister Podcast, presented by your host, the Reverend Dwayne Dixon. Welcome to the Corporate Minister Podcast. My name is Dwayne Dixon, and I serve on the ministerial staff at Progressive Baptist Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm also a technology executive, and I've been in corporate America for more than 25 years. My ministry calling is to minister to the needs of black men who are sometimes forgotten, professional black men. The world sees the job titles, the degrees, the outer trappings of success, and often draws the incorrect conclusion that these brothers don't need ministry. My experience has taught me that nothing could be farther from the truth. My objective here is to bring a word from the Lord that will serve as a beacon of hope, solace, and encouragement. Every couple of weeks, we're going to address a particular topic, stress, fear, pressure, relationships, failure, and success. And we're going to see what the Word of God has to say about it. From there, we'll bring in a guest speaker and explore the topic in a bit more detail. And with a little bit of luck, you hear something that blesses you. About that, I want to hear from you. Please drop us a line at thecorporateminister at gmail.com. Again, that's thecorporateminister at gmail.com. Send us your thoughts, your feedback, and your ideas. I want to make this a space that's comfortable and relevant. And on that note, let's get started. Today's topic is connections and connectivity between black men. And that's a topic that's near and dear to my heart. Our scripture comes from Psalm 133. That's a scripture that most of us have heard and are very familiar with. Psalm 133, and I'll be reading to you from the King James Version. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments. As the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Besides being a beautiful piece of scripture, that's a powerful message, and I want to take some time to unpack it. The scripture speaks almost in a self-explanatory way about the goodness that comes out of brothers being in harmony with one another. We know that anointing oil was used to anoint Aaron as the first high priest of Israel and to dedicate all the priests to God's service. We also know that Mount Hermon was the tallest mountain in ancient Palestine. That means the dew from the highest place in the land. 
How good and fresh is that? The bottom line is that brethren dwelling in unity is a good and marvelous thing, a blessed thing. I'm a living witness to that. I have personally been blessed with being connected to other brothers, primarily through my affiliations with fraternal organizations. And I suppose that, that means this is shout out time. I've been a member of Kappa Kappa Psi Band Fraternity since 1979, and I'm a life member today. I've been a member of Iota Phi Theta Fraternity Incorporated since 1980, and I'm a life member today. I've been a member of 100 Black Men since 2002. That's not a fraternity per se, but the bond is definitely fraternal. And I've been a member of Sigma Pi Phi Fraternity since 2017, another fraternal bond that has been of tremendous value and of which I'm quite proud. Now, these bonds are not about resume padding for me. For me, they're about connecting to other men. As we walk this path as black men, it can be lonely. The ways of the world can really weigh on you. And what has consistently held me up is that I've had brothers to reach out to for support, for guidance, for advice, and to lighten the load. It's so important to have people to whom you can go for support and nobody knows it like somebody who has really been there with you and for you. I'll, I'll tell you a personal story. Um, many, many years ago, my wife and I were pregnant. We were expecting a baby and 39th week was the week before Thanksgiving. And I got a call at work. Hey, you need to come to the hospital right away. Wow, is she about to have the baby? You need to come to the hospital. Get to the hospital, left from work, and they can't find a heartbeat. So there we are, excited about our first child, can't find a heartbeat. Turns out the baby had died in vitro at 39 weeks. So what we basically had to do was a C-section to take a baby that had already passed away. Bad day, probably my worst day on earth. I had been at the hospital I guess since about 10 o'clock that morning, stayed with my wife all day, stayed with her after the procedure, and was completely wiped. And at about two o'clock in the morning, um, I said, hey, let me go home, get myself some clothes and start over tomorrow. And I left the hospital, drove down Lakeshore Drive, drove onto Jeffrey Boulevard, Chicago people know what I'm talking about. And I got to the corner of 87th and Jeffrey. And again, Chicago people know where that is. And at that moment in time, I completely ran out of gas physically. Plenty of gas in the car, but none left in my personal tank. I sat in my car at the corner of 87th and Jeffrey for about 10 minutes. The light must have changed from green to red three, four, five times. I just did not have the strength to go on. But praise God. I had a fraternity brother who lived about three blocks from there and turned left, went to this brother's house and it's two 30 in the morning. I woke him up out of a sound sleep and he's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, frat, this is what's happened. And I just need some support right now. And from two 30 in the morning till about six in the morning, I sat with my frat brother and we talked, 
We laughed. He let me cry. He let me talk some more. He let me cry some more. But when by six o'clock he had filled up my tank in such a way that I could do what I needed to do and get on home and take care of business. I, 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 I tell that story because I really think my fraternity brother saved my life that night. And that's what the support of brethren will do for you. And speaking of brethren, I want to introduce our guest for today. Our guest today is a pastor, a former sales executive, a husband, a father, a friend, a mentor, and yes, my Iota Phi Theta fraternity brother. I am confident that if not for the friendship of this brother, I probably wouldn't be a minister today. I have been knowing him for almost 40 years. He's my very dear friend. Let me tell you a little bit about him. The Reverend Brian Edward Murray received his bachelor's degree in biology from Morgan State University and spent over two decades working in the pharmaceutical industry. After receiving his master's degree in theology from St. Mary's Seminary and University, he was licensed and ordained at Good Shepherd Baptist Church in Baltimore. Most of his nearly two decades of clergy experience has been devoted to the United Baptist Missionary Convention of Maryland for the causes of social justice, community activism, and Christian education. In 2004, Reverend Murray became the organizing pastor of New Covenant Community Church. In April 2011, New Covenant received new church information status, and in January 2012, was launched as New Covenant Community United Church. New Covenant is the first African-American-led UCC church launched in the Baltimore metropolitan area since the 1960s. In his ministry outside the sanctuary, Reverend Murray serves on the board of directors of the Baltimore Child Abuse Center, the executive board of the Victim Service Provider Network of Maryland, the professional advisory group for the pastoral care development of the Johns Hopkins Hospital System, the executive steering committee of the Family Informed Trauma Treatment Center sponsored by the University of Maryland Schools of Medicine and Social Work and Kennedy Krieger Family Center, and is a member of the 2012-2013 class of Leadership Baltimore County. Finally, he is one of the founders of a 12-step Bible study at Helping Up Mission, one of the largest city's largest ministries for men, and spent three years working with a faith-based nonprofit that focused on partnering church and human services agencies together to deliver assistance to inner-city neighborhoods. He is married to Janice Alexander, the former vice president of diversity and inclusion for the Exelon Corporation. They are the proud parents of two adult daughters, Rachel and Alexis. Brother Murray is also Polaris or president of the Gamma Omicron Omega alumni chapter of Iota Phi Theta Fraternity Incorporated. It is my honor to introduce you to the pastor of New Covenant United Church of Christ and my friend, the Reverend Brian Murray. How you doing, Doc Murray? I'm doing well, doing quite well. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good. I'm doing really, really good. I can't tell you how pleased I am to have you with us today, especially on the inaugural episode of The Corporate Minister. I couldn't think of a, a, a better guest to have as we kind of step into this space. Well, I consider it a high honor and a distinct privilege. And seeing it coming from Doc Murray, that's real talk. Um, (laughs) 
Tell me something, sir. You're doing a lot of ministry work these days, as always. Can you tell our audience more about what you've been up to lately? Sure. So you've you've read quite a bit. Um, currently, I am still the pastor of New Covenant Community United Church of Christ. Um, I am also um, the chairperson, uh, co-chairperson of a group called Bridge Maryland, which is a Gamaliel-trained uh, network of churches in the state of Maryland that focus on um, social justice issues, and uh, we train people in uh, community organizing and uh, leadership development. Um, in addition to that, right now, I am a senior fellow um, with the United Church of Christ. There's a program called ADESE, uh, which has a focus on the intersection of entrepreneurship and spirituality. And um, I'm one of 12 ministers from around the country that's participating in that year-long program. So I've got a few things going on. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And and obviously, you have been anointed to be able to do all of that. And 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 we are so pleased to have you. You're no stranger to Psalm 133. Um, how does that matter to you? How how has that shown up in your life? Well, you know, you you kind of created a great framework uh, as you led into this conversation because. You know, when you talk about unity, dwelling together in unity, and particularly for, for folks like us who have a background in, in corporate spaces, uh, a lot of our experience wasn't mentorship in the formal way. Um, we came along at a time when perhaps people thought uh, of us as affirmative action beneficiaries. And so there wasn't a lot of enthusiasm for mentoring us along the corporate promotional ladder. And then, you know, when you consider the fact that there wasn't a lot of cultural, cultural diversity going on, a lot of the things that we learned um, beside the trials and errors came from the kind of unity in my case, I'll speak for my case in, in pharmaceutical business by being with other persons, uh, men of color that were in that business. You know, we'd run into each other in the field. We'd run into each other in hospitals and, and clinical spaces. And we'd make it our business uh, on Friday evenings. We'd make it our business to get together for lunch to just talk about our experiences. So there was a unity didn't always happen in the uh, formal way, but it was just as intentional on our behalf. And I, to be perfectly honest with you, Dwayne, there were numerous times when we, um, you know, commiserated with each other, we encouraged each other, and got ourselves into some pro promotional spaces in our individual companies over a period of 20 something years. Some of those bonds still exist, to be perfectly honest with you, even though I'm not, I haven't been in that business She's over a, over a decade, but I can run into any one of those brothers in, in a public space and we sit down and have a talk like we, you know, just got together yesterday. So there's a value. There's a currency. Um, there's a sustenance that comes from unity um, in a um, corporate space. You know, I think it's the same in a ministerial space. Um, being a pastor is not an easy job. 
And if you are a person who isolates yourself as a person in the pastorate and doesn't reach out into a fellowship, um, you can find yourself in some very, very vulnerable um, and maybe um, self-defeating uh, kind of spaces. You, you you can have a tendency to, to, to minimize all the work that you've done. You know, it's interesting you asked that question. Just today, I was on the phone with somebody who um, has had some, some uh, pitfalls, uh, passes a church, and the phone call was primarily to remind this person um, that um, there's a lot of great work that they've done for God. People's lives have been changed because this person said yes to God's call. And that that call is a byproduct of the continuum of unity, us continuing to reach out to each other. We've been to each other's homes. We've blessed each other's homes. We shared meals together. And that's outside of the framework of our normal church stuff. That's right. That's I right. hope that helps you get some kind of framework. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you've been in, in, in the saddle as a minister for way more years than I have. But I can yeah. tell you that I have been blessed by the ministerial connections that I have and some of whom we have in common. So I definitely understand that. Now, when you look yeah. At, yeah. At, at, at the psalmist and what was written in Psalm 133, if you, if you could go back, what do you think the writer of that psalm was trying to get us to understand? Well, you know, the book of Psalms, as we know, is, is almost like God's hymn book. That's right. And there's a couple of. There's a couple of authors in there. And I think that um, when you look at where the nation of Israel was uh, in that particular period of time, those, those generations when, when the songs were written, um, you know, you're talking about a group of people who um, had some, had a special relationship with God and went through some cycles of obedience, disobedience, exile, rescue, um, uh, restoration, and then the cycle, um, you know, happened all over again. Mm -hmm. And when you talk about the things that the nation of Israel went through, one of the things that they always, always tried to do was stick together. Right. And, um, there's the, there's a value to that because um you know god would raise up judges god would raise up prophets and even the persons who felt like they were on the margins of relationship with god if they stuck together in that community of believers that community of chosen people there's a um a viral and I, that's probably not the best word to use at this particular time <laughs> but but there's a viral currency to sticking together. And I think um, what I see in that particular scripture is that there is a, with all the things that they went through, not unlike all the things that you and I have gone through as, as brothers, African-American brothers in corporate spaces, the one thing that we can count on is each other. That's right. You know, if we need each other for 
consolation, if we need each other for reference, if we need each other for chastisement, if we need each other to recalibrate our self-images, that happens in a, in a space of unity. And the writer goes on to say, it's like a dew. It's like an ointment. It's like a dew. There's a covering that you receive in a spiritual way. Um, and it is something that even when you don't see a value in the space that you're in, or maybe yourself in that space, um, you're covered. You're covered with, with, with an, an ointment. You're covered with a dew that descends from the mountains of Zion. And um, that's valuable, man. That's valuable to have that kind of covering in, in a number of different situations. Indeed. Now, speaking of covering, um, here's the old cliche, but we got to go there. It's been said that beside <laughs> every great man is a great woman. What mm. would you say about this topic to the woman supporting the men of color in these spaces? And I hope you'll tell the Tom Dean secret weapon story for our audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, my, my spouse is somebody who is also Greek. Uh, she's Alpha Kappa Alpha. And we knew of each other, but really didn't connect until about our junior year. Um, we traveled in semi-intersectional uh, kinds of circles. We, you know, we run into each other, but we really kind of hooked up our junior year. And when we uh, got married, um, my first boss out of college, my first employer and supervisor out of college was one of our frat brothers. And um, he made a statement to me at our wedding because he was there. He said, hey man, see that girl right there? No, he did not That's say, hey man. He did not say, hey man. What did he say? No, champ. Ha ha, there you he go. Said, <laughs> he said, champ, that's your secret weapon right there. And I would say to you that um, we don't always realize if we're doing things in the right way, how much our spouses compliment us. Um, I think that, you know, um, when it comes to a strong African-American male, um, if they've partnered with an equally strong female, there's a, there's a complementary synergistic kind of, um, you know, uh, thing that happens that people can see. Um, you don't necessarily, and let me say this, after being married for a number of years, um, it's not like every day is a, um, you know, Luther Vandross album. <laughs> <laughs> but, but there is no doubt that we have each other's back. And there is no doubt that um, we are supportive of the work that each other does. Um, I can say that unequivocally, having walked away from corporate America and answering the call to ministry. Mm. Um, and I will say to you that one of the things that was a motivator for me was not ju just God's call, but the the self-determination to make sure that I was good for my word. 
I said that I, when, when God called me to start New Covenant Church, in my mind, because of all that my wife and family had done for me and supported me, I was going to make it my business to work with God and deliver a church. Mm. You know, I, that may seem somewhat secular, somewhat selfish. I don't know. But part of my motivation and one of the things that makes me feel better about all the struggle that goes along with not just ministry, but building uh, a church is that, you know, with the, with God in front, I have delivered on the things that I said I was going to deliver on. And when you have a, I think that increases a woman's sense of support for the things that you're about. I raised two daughters, two grown women daughters, and I am pretty confident that when it's all said and done, that, you know, um, my wife and daughters would say that uh, my husband or my daddy was about what he said he was about. And they've been encouragement and support the whole way. There you go. And and there's that concept of a good woman will hold a good man accountable. And, 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 and yeah, there's, there's some beauty and strength in that. You know, I find without without being a nag, without, without being, being an nag. irritant. There you go. Yeah, without being an irritant. That's yeah. that's not what the, that's about. Right. I, I had somebody ask me the other day, um, you know, what what's the secret to a, a good woman? I said, a good woman makes a good man want to be better. Hello. And, and, okay. I think you just said something. All right. I now. Think you just said something. <laughs> Listen, um, you know, as we look at the tone of the times right now, and I mean, right mm. now, this moment, um, as the nation deals with this crisis and we're talking about social distancing and quarantining and all the rest of that, I think it's pretty ironic that we're talking about the concept you and I of connectivity of becoming more yeah. connected, you know, against yeah. that backdrop, do you have a final thought that you'd like to share with our audience today? I think that um, we live in a time when even though we may not be face to face with persons that we can still reach out to persons and let them know that we care and let them know that they're not by themselves. Again, um, I found myself in a conversation to reiterate a specific ministerial friend's value uh, to them, to let them know um, about all of the work that they, they had done with God this afternoon. That call started out with us talking about whether or not we were going to have a worship service on Sunday or whether or not we were going to do it digitally uh, through social media, all that kind of thing. So I think that the ability to have social media as a tool in this case was the genesis of that phone call, but God knew that something else was going to happen in that phone call. My, 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 my thought on this is when somebody crosses your spirit, Pick up the phone and call them. Look, you and I have done that over the years. That's, right. That's how we find ourselves in, in this space of, of a mutual walk and, and calling in ministry. Um, you never know where a person is at, and you never know what God will have you do in that particular call. 
uh, I've done that by, as I was bivocational, like you, when um, I was still in the pharmaceutical business. Um, I reach out and call people. Sometimes it's just to get together, man, and share a meal. Sometimes it's just to see how somebody's doing. So unity as a human currency to create valuable relationships, in my opinion, is easier now than it's ever been. Mm. You know, um, I can text you and say, just want to reach out and see how you're doing, man. You know, and you'll never you you you'd be surprised at how how people will respond. So, sir, that is powerful. And this whole conversation, I feel blessed by 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 being able to to share some of these thoughts and and share, you know, the the bond that we have um, with our audience. Um, Likewise, to my friend, my frat brother, um, my partner in ministry, my brother in ministry, Reverend. Brian Murray, thank you so much for spending a little time with us today. Thank you so much for spending time with our audience. God bless you. God bless your ministry going forward. Thank you, Fred. God bless you, man. Thanks for joining us at The Corporate Minister. We appreciate your spending time with us, and we would love to hear from you. If you have show ideas, prayer concerns, or if you are blessed by what you heard today, please drop us a note at thecorporateminister at gmail.com. Again, that's thecorporateminister at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you, and we'll see you next time.